Welcome, Red Spotters, to episode 264. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Kyle Lira, Alexis Moreno, David Francisco, and Peter Martinez in our continuing Avatar series. This time, we are finally getting around to do the first installment of The Legend of Korra. Today, we'll discuss all 14 episodes of season one. Unlike the other installments, we're not going to go on an episode-by-episode cases. We'll give our initial reactions to perhaps the first episodes, and some of us were brand new, um, shall we say, uh, members of the uh, Cult of Korra, it seems like. Uh, Of course, the Morenos here are our avatar gurus, and they will kind of guide a lot of the in-universe discussion. Um, we don't know how this is going to go, to be quite frank. We have not discussed this, so our opinions may vary, and so this is rather unpredictable. I assume everyone's doing okay. I may assume wrong in some cases, um, but let's just get straight into it. The Legend of Korra. David, I want to go to you first. Can you give us a, I guess, uh, well, I'll let you decide what it is you want to say first, whether it be... Uh, your history with this, or a synopsis of the season. Go, you're, it's all you. Um, we, we can kind of go together because yeah, we actually saw it at the. We were in absolutely Disneyland, right? no, By all we means. were we were in we were in Vegas. We were oh okay. I knew we were on a trip in the hotel, and we like the first thing we did in the in the hotel was just check the channels if they had Nickelodeon, and we were like, <laughs> they have it, they have it, we're gonna watch it. Yeah, because yeah. we were like pumped, like we were ready. We. Uh, like, we saw the first episode when it aired. Wow. Um, yeah, we were all... <laughs> man, that was an exciting day. Heck yeah. Um, we, like, we, like, planned it out, like, our day. Well, I mean, not really our day, because it aired in the morning, in the morning. So we planned it out to where, like, we were going to wake up early, and we told our parents, like, we need to stay here from this time to this time, because <laughs> this is going to be on TV. <laughs> um... But yeah, it aired, and I was so excited, and it was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly what she said, and um, yeah, we just kept telling our parents to shut up. <laughs> yeah, because they were like they were getting ready and stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't. I think I know we kept up with it. There was like a certain point point where we were like, because I mean, for me at least, I don't keep up with TV shows because I just. Like, I either have something to do or, like, I just forget or something. I don't know if you kept oh, up with yeah. it. But I... once it went on the internet, uh, because towards the end, I forgot what season, um, they stopped airing it on TV. and it Halfway on... through season three, yeah. if I remember reading, yeah. Um, and it went on the internet. That's when I uh, picked it up again. Right. But, like, but I did maybe watch, like, the whole first season or something. Maybe not the second season. Uh, but yeah, that's, no, yeah, that's kind of how I, how I watched it. No, yeah, I kept up with it like the whole time, even when it went on the internet. Like I would go the very next day to mm-hmm. Nick.com or whatever the heck the website was called and just watch it. The internet was shit on that website. I can oh imagine. This is this yeah, is an age that's I pretty remember. Netflix. It was so bad. It just kept buffering and buffering and especially like the final episode. Like, you know, yeah. I, mean, I won't get ahead, I mean, but I, it was epic and just like. It just kept stopping. I remember in the last episode, we, we, I don't know how we did it, but we somehow watched it on TV. Like, we were able to log on to the website through our TV. 
Um, we sound like dinosaurs right now, guys. Like this is so like. <laughs> it was, it was a, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a hot minute. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was cool. The thing that sucks about internet at that time is that it it literally it wasn't even that long David, ago. like that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what freaking sucks. Internet still sucks, but in different ways than others. Um the it it kind of gave you inertic blue balls, you know, because you would be like so excited about like streaming something and then all of a sudden it'll buffer for like an hour. And I remember he has to you have to uh pause it. Mm-hmm. And then let it let the um let the little gray bar get to its point where you want it to be, and then you go back and play it, and it'll be like already three hours since you last saw the thing. So it, it it's just one of those that things. Was that was less than ten chaotic. years ago, and we already sound like some grandpas from the nineties, like buffering a video on a computer. Um, Remember we had to rewind our uh, our movies. <laughs> yeah, technology has aged, and of course, the fact that it was broadcast on a at the, at the internet at that time in the later seasons we'll, we'll have a whole discussion going on about that in how you know the history of the show is interlinked but starting you know right at the beginning you just said that you made this an occasion that you watched the premiere so i'm actually dying to know what were your thoughts that day just watching this brand new avatar material um i just remember loving the seeing the characters really yeah i mean the world was Honestly, like it was so big and so new, but it was mostly just the characters that I love. So you meet um, Korra, and you do see the the whole "I'm the Avatar, deal with it," and like she, like you instantly get something different. But then you meet uh, Katara as an old mm-hmm. lady, and then you meet her her and son Tenzin, and yes, she's just <laughs> crying. And they like, and I remember the scene. The most, uh, I think you might have missed it. But it was one of Tenzin's kids talking to Katara going, hey, like, what happened to uh, uh-huh. Zuko's mom? Yeah. And she was uh, about to say it, but then another one, Tenzin's kids, interrupts her. And I was just like, what the heck? <laughs> it's like, I'm never going to get an answer from this, am I? But You did eventually, comics. right? They, they, yep. they eventually give you an answer there. Yeah, thank God. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's really good, by the way. Yeah, it's really it's good. It's really good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that was kind of how we started with that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing with me. Like, it was very exciting because at this point, it had been obviously a few years. And do we know um, how many years it was in between uh, Airbender remember. and Korra? Oof. Was it three or four? I don't remember honestly. I mean, this is obviously post Shyamalan's uh, disaster. Yeah. yeah. Shyamalan <laughs> <laughs> uh, who? Oh my god. It was just very exciting to be... It was kind of like Hogwarts, where, you know, you're always welcome back. And this is kind of <laughs> so, the you same. Know, this is an interesting perspective, right? I mean, you two are unique in that you actually did watch this from the very, you know, inception of it on television. Mm-hmm. So the rest of us now are going to have to tell you what um, we experienced it, obviously as much older people now and then in a different age. Uh, Peter or Kyle, I want to go to you guys uh, specifically to the first episode and the impressions that it made on you. Who wants to go first? Peter, let's do rock, paper, scissors. Um, oh okay, Kyle will go first. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so I remember it was 2018, 
that far long ago. <laughs> uh, when I first got into Korra because I just finished Avatar for the first time. And I was like, oh, I hear that this is kind of a continuation of what goes on. And <laughs> Peter, like you've that. known this. Why are you shaking your head? You've known this the whole time. And so I was like, okay, I'll dive into it, you know, see what see what happens. You know, maybe it'll be a good companion piece. Uh, utterly bored. Didn't pick it up until years later. <laughs> All right. And so when you did pick it up again, how did you feel? Um, Bored didn't pick it up until weeks later. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. The, the thing is, is that, okay, I'm going to set a, set a, um, set the ground running. Um, it's, it's hard to like this series when you don't give a shit about half the characters that are on screen. Um, okay. I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. They're animated cells, so who? So bite me. Um, okay, but yeah. But as as far as this initial episode, the world and what was set up, was there anything that you liked that you latched onto initially? When okay, we. Uh, David mentioned it before. I I really like this like the spunkiness, I guess, of Korra when she said, "I am the Avatar." You know, you know, deal with it. And I was like, "Okay, all right." You know, maybe you know this is gonna this is gonna rock my socks off. Let's go. And then I saw her and everything like that. And then and you remember they she's a girl. And then, yeah, of Stop. course, I remembered she was a girl, and thus I was like, "Well, she can't be the Avatar." Mary Sue um, over here, <laughs> Mary, Mary, yeah, fucking Mary Sue. Who, who is she, Ray? Mm. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I was like, okay, all that stuff. I liked, I liked Korra. I liked Tenzin. I liked um, some of the other characters. The brothers, I just don't give a shit about, and then. As we'll get to later, the redhead, I don't give a shit about either. The well, we redhead. promised. Her we, hair's not redhead, even the, red. The brunette. <laughs> I don't even know the names. That's how Asami? much I don't give a shit. Asami. He's talking about like Asami. Asami. Okay, all right. Look, let, let's, not, let's not get off the rails already. We promised you hot takes. We're talking about the first episode. There's not much to go off there but impressions. But yes, he's talking about Asami and Mako and Bolin. And I have strong feelings about that. I don't agree with Kyle what just said. But, you know, <laughs> again, we're just being real here. Uh, Peter, would you like to uh, give your take on the first episode of Korra? Yeah, I should provide some level of sanity here. Um, <laughs> that is sorely missing. Says the agent this, of chaos here on this podcast. But this, go ahead, from Peter. This conversation. Um, I wasn't expecting any fiery exchanges until at least episode two. So I'm already <laughs> like, whoa, okay, we're off to the races. Well, oh man, I don't know if I should say. What I want to say <laughs> at this episode or like the last the episode of season one, I don't know. Because a lot of the way I feel about this show is just the way it's different. All right. So let me let me mm -hmm. make it easier right now. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about 
What episode you walked away with with the first episode. Okay. What did it make you feel okay. like? Sure, I can do that. So, I really liked episode one. Uh, Welcome to Republic City. For several reasons. One, I adore the the special opening where it's like, <laughs> years ago, my father told me about uh, the way him and his friends ended the Hundred Year War. And, and, and the way they like set it up, like the music's so good and Tenzin is awesome and I love his voice. And I wonder why. I mean, I voice is him. <laughs> yeah, it's great. He's a known fantastic teacher. Um, <laughs> so it makes sense. One would say he'll give you whiplash. Boo. Boo. Everyone boo. Boo. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. Um, But the opening's great. I love that they said it. Well, it's ob- it has to be said in the future, obviously, since the Avatar is cyclical. But the way that they move forward technology-wise is great, and the way they try mm-hmm. to make build up the world republic city and the way they introduce it in the first episode is really fun and interesting um just the idea of republic city you know how ang and uh what's his name fire lord um zuko zuko you know tried to fix the world after the hundred year war in sort of this legacy of republic city very interesting um yeah cora herself i think leaves a very good first impression and she's obviously very different from ang because she's known she's the the avatar from since she was a child (laughs) and she's been training since she was a child and you see all of that uh in the first the first like what minute <laughs> like, basically yeah so uh and again god i'm gonna do it of all <laughs> days i'm gonna do it oh boy we already had one but here we go the last jedi um, <laughs> the <laughs> the the comparisons in in <laughs> Let's see, we are 14 minutes in. <laughs> Only 14 minutes, that's all it took. Okay, it. that must be a new I record. I did it. The Ray comparisons are palpable. Um, <laughs> oh, don't say palpable. Palpable. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! My voice being... Um, it, it's not really that they're that similar, it's just more of the way in which the original protagonist is sort the new protagonist has basically become the polar opposite of the previous um, protagonist. Whereas, and, and like, this isn't something, this is something you realize, again, within like the first minute, first five minutes maybe. Whereas Aang, you know, he was very young, he was a child, he didn't want that responsibility, but he's very easygoing and, you know, happy-go-lucky and da-da-da-da-da. Cora is very much the opposite and when she's older and her whole life is wanting that responsibility her you know her first words are I'm the avatar you got to deal with it you know whereas Aang ran away at the idea of being the avatar and got frozen for a hundred years uh and, and you know she did 
obviously leave a very sheltered life where everyone's like you were the avatar basic everything's basically done for her because there's that scene mm. in republic city where she's like money like people just give <laughs> people just give me shit like what yeah. do you mean money <laughs> so uh that's very interesting and of course she's very aggressive in ways that ang never was uh, and you see that because i feel like especially in season one uh, maybe may getting a little too ahead of myself here, but the element that she uses mostly is fire. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's great. The, the world is great. I love. I love Tenzin, and, and this like I do too. He's he might be my favorite character for this whole show. Again, not to maybe not to get too ahead of myself, but I really love Tenzin and his family and the di- dynamic air. Airbender Island. I don't know. There's just so many nuggets. Aang's family is so interesting. Yeah. Like their whole storyline, storyline throughout the whole series, mm-hmm. I think is so interesting. And um, also, you guys gotta read the comics, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> All right. Um, um, oh, Lynn's yeah. great. Um, oh my! Oh, Tom's family! Jesus Christ! Are you kidding me? That's, I that's two seasons them. from now. Okay, right, I know. But specifically, Lynn's introduction and in, into this. Oh, and like the way they introduce like the the metal bender police. Yeah, and, and and the way that uh, the, the way different... that they, they evolved all of the elements and like the things that they could do with them is so yeah. cool. It's very cool. Um. Wait a minute. Hold on. I thought you said, why are you saying, why are we only allowed to talk about the first episode? I thought we were going to talk about the whole season. We're we're only giving initial impressions of the series first, and then we'll go off into the season. Yeah. So I was well, Since then I don't mentioned- need to hold my what I talk about to the first episode. Why don't you say well, anything, you big dumb bitch? Well, well, let, let Alexa- <laughs> Okay, well, since you already brought it up, let's just go into Wait, Republic. Wait, no, Alexis needs to say his his. I feel like everyone always forgets me. Wait, no, no, wait, you shut the fuck up, because now I need to go back and do everything else. I gotta, I gotta do this again, because I was holding everything to the first episode. <laughs> well, but we we're not are, gonna hold... everybody was, up until you yeah. did the thing why? wrong, Peter. I thought we were gonna do it for the first season. We were saying <laughs> repeatedly, this entire episode, we are gonna be reviewing season one, but for the first few minutes, we wanted to get a taste of what everyone's initial impression of the show was like which is why we wanted to emphasize this first episode right now this was said like a thousand times right all right i'm yes. lost so i'm gonna let you take over because i don't know what <laughs> like, go ahead I did. all right i had an interesting um i think set up to this again uh i only just seen this a few weeks ago and i was kind of nervous because er- all of you guys were giving off different signals yeah (laughs) Yeah. like the morenos were very positive kyle was whatever i was positive i was just kind of like you've said how many times you love this show and you shared a whole bunch of clips i loved it but i repeatedly told you i understand people's complaints (laughs) okay all right but needless to say the buzz was very positive Kyle was a little bit more, I feel, conflicted uh, from the readings I got from him, and so was Peter's, although his frustrations from what I gather were from other seasons, not necessarily the first batch of episodes here. So it was just weird. Um, I didn't know what to expect. And um, 
I was pretty much on board uh, for, I mean, I was just laughing so hard when, you know, a little Cora came out and said, I'm the avatar, get fucking used to it. I added the fucking in there. Um, you know, with fire bending, <laughs> earth bending, and water bending, and it just felt like a beautiful fuck you to all those white supremacist uh, alt-right people who we keep <laughs> that, having that to. That was kind of like my, uh, that, this is why I was excited for you guys to watch it, because I feel like it, it's so relatable right now. And I mean, I feel like with both shows, you could see that they're both relatable, mm-hmm. like super relatable to mm-hmm. like everyday life. But I feel like this one, for specifically the moment that we're living in, it's like I mean, it's kind of like super on the nose, and it's like it's it was wild, like rewatching everything while we're going through this, and it's like oh, especially like at the peak of it, like with like. Black Lives Matter and everything. Like I, I watched it at the peak of that, so mm. it was like <laughs> it was I, weird. I have several notes that address everything you're saying, but again, I didn't understand what we were doing. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, immediately I was kind of blown away by the quality of the animation. Look, Avatar: The Last Airbender is perhaps one of the most perfect things ever made. Um, but what you can definitely give Korra is how the animation has evolved and it just look spectacularly. And the world also kind of takes your breath away because you're so accustomed to kind of what you would, I think, think of, um, I don't know, dark ages, um, kind of time with, you know, Avatar, you know, very, um primitive technology and then all of a sudden the world kind of having this industrial explosion revolution you kind of see i mean the how it is in their world very much mirrors i guess what you would think early uh 20th century here in our reality um and needless to say it all looked amazing and immediately i was just so intrigued and kind of brought into this world of okay it, it it's not just a continuation of what we've already had. We're getting some new material here. We're exploring some new storylines. And off the bat, I was just so intrigued because at this point, all of us are so beyond frustrated with continuations of certain properties that just repeat the same pattern patterns, Star Wars, um, throughout the end of time. And so it's – you could tell immediately – that there was it, the same kind of thought into just about all of the detail and and the plot line and the characters as there was with Airbender. And you can definitely look, um, DiMartino and Kunietzko, um, they do a lot of stuff in this show, um, which we'll get into. But for this episode, it definitely piqued my interest. Um and, and and yeah, to pretty, pretty much echo all of the things that Peter was saying about Korra and Tenzin, uh, I think we're going to be Tenzin in many ways, maybe the Iroh of this show. And a lot of us may may feel that way, it seems like, from what I'm getting. But it was a very positive impression, uh, at least from that first episode. So that's where it was. I didn't necessarily feel that it dragged or that it was low energy. I don't know. Um but there are definitely we need to be you know forefront with this right this is a very controversial series and i will yeah. say admittedly we're we're talking about this series it just had its debut on netflix 
And I was so disheartened to see that it, it already dropped off the top 10. Um, whereas Airbender, I mean, Airbender, you know, it, it is popular. It is much more popular than Korra. But it, it, I don't know. We'll, we'll have a lot of, I think, strong feelings at the end of the day. But I, I, this is, okay, can I jump in here? Yeah. Go um, ahead. I already, I, I told you bitches I had opinions and I'm going to say them. Um, <laughs> I, really? Yes. That's really, very uncharacteristic really. of you, Peter. Is it? I think so as well. Um, I think, because you're talking about how, different this show is and obviously it's not been as well received it's it's been pretty mixed by people in comparison to the original and which i think no matter how good or bad it was that was going to happen because it's really hard to follow up a show like the last airbender but one of the key things i noticed over the course of watching this entire show um and i wasn't really sure when to bring this up but i think it's important to bring it up here at the beginning is the fact that this is an, an unbelievably different show than uh the last airbender yeah and one of the key ways in which it's different is that two ways first of all it's it's not an adventure show it's an action show there Mm -hmm. is no adventure the last airbender was this sprawling adventure you know these these young kids you know star whatever yeah this is not that there is no adventure necessarily to be had Mm -hmm. it's all plot and action um which again it, it it kind of technically switched genres a bit um we, it, it's, it's it's like a making a Legend of the Zelda fighting game. It, <laughs> if it, that it makes really sense. switched everything, not just like the genre, but also just kind of what they wanted to represent in the world. So, like you know, before you just went from like uh, China or some type, <laughs> kind of uh, Korean type of place, and then now you're in New York City, basically. You know, basically, yeah. But that that's my second part. Is that what's so interesting is what they wanted to address with um what i noticed the first series not first series the first season but really the whole series which is um if the last airbender was sort of like this older world sort of um mature uh uh adventure fantasy this is the fall if if the last airbender was all about um ending the hundred years war and entering this new era um the legend of korra is basically all about dealing with the pro the problems that happen afterwards which is dealing with the issues of modern society like that's that's literally every if if how do I put this? If The Last Airbender was all about, you know, tearing down the old world and creating the new one, then this show is all about how do you deal with those issues in this new industrialized all new world. All these, these new, new problems, problems that wouldn't exist. And, you know, which are of that. Yeah. all political. Um, right. right. A lot of people, and you'll notice this again, you don't notice this really till you hit the second and third season. But by the end of the show, it really makes sense. Each villain very much represents not only their particular um bending or non-bending um attributes but the extreme the political extreme associated with mm-hmm. that 
specific bending attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, well, I guess we can give it away because the the first season is non-bending, right? But they and they never have a fire bending. Um, obviously, uh, what's it called? Enemy, really. Uh, main villain because you already got that with the last airbender and this one's addressed the other ones and the first one is non-bending and it very much addresses um inequality and Mm -hmm. sort of and it it also just like makes sense i mean Mm -hmm. i feel like it could have been cool because um like it makes sense that there wasn't a big fire bending villain because i feel like at this point in their story in in the firebender story, they're very much like feel guilty for all the damage that they. It's caused. basically mm-hmm. Germany yeah. right now. Yeah, they, modern they always Germany, feel yeah. guilty, mm-hmm. uh, and they yeah. always are the first to like remove themselves from any like international ping uh, con- conflict because like well, mm-hmm. we kind of started two world wars, so we don't want to get involved in this. <laughs> yeah, we we've done our time and we've done our damage and all that stuff, yeah. and I don't think the fire so that, nation that, would like that. It's very interesting that it like worked out that way too. Yeah, and like the thing about this is that you you obviously see like for example i mean here moreno saw this again and i emphasize again uh uh during the whole black lives matter thing and you could clearly see like the inequality factors right from the first season um and the whole argument of the of the last uh of the air of the benders you could tell that it's like you know an allegory for like the one percent and everything like that and like we we are left to our own devices and you could see the extremes that you know they would uh that would go to that message you know um again i with with those like comparisons of the show that's where i think that the show is at its strongest i i feel it's just very um, different. And one of the things that we also have to keep in mind, and some people mention this as well, is, you know, for the most part, in Airbender, they were, what, preteens, early teenagers? The main protagonists here are in their late teens, if not early adulthood. Korra is, you know, it is a significant age difference being 16, 17 versus 12. And so the differences between those two lead characters are definitely much more um present and as has been established cracking teenagers is kind of difficult um when you have that whole angst situation um and i feel we can kind of use this to go ahead and kind of bridge forward the different storylines of this season just to be clear here so very much it is an interesting shaped season we have a lot of pro bending which we'll get to right in the first few episodes the main villain is Amon, and we have this anti-bender movement, this unrest happening in Republic City. That's the main gist of it. But as far as like in terms of issues um, with it, and I noticed a lot of people really, really didn't like this um, going over reviews at the time, was the angst, the love triangle, as it were, when you have mm-hmm. Korra and Mako and Asami. Um, as one of those things that was weighing the show down, it seemed. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, Kyle seems to be, like, dead thinking about (laughs) that. I understand. Like, I understand if people don't like it, but I, I 
think it's such like a it's something that would happen mm-hmm. like it, it's like to me it seems so real and i don't know I, can i, I just I, say i i think this stems from a lot of just nerds that hate teenage girls like i'm going there like <laughs> let's I, do it go ahead i i, 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 I I, I'm, I'm serious. Like it's, it's like the people back in the day that swore Twilight was the worst thing in the world, but then excitedly line up to see the Transformer films. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not a fan of love triangles. I, I find them ever annoying. or in anything. Yeah. Um, even most love stories, I feel and. And most anything just feel tacked on, especially this kind of shit. But I mean, I also felt it was well done because they obviously mm-hmm. weren't in love. They were teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Act, acting like teenagers, acting impulsive, being making dumb decisions that hurt the people around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, I I I kind of bought into it more and enjoyed it more. Mm. Um, it wasn't just like, oh, they truly are in love. It, it was like, mm-hmm. no, you know, because guess what? You know, especially because the main character is a 17-year-old girl. It's like 17-year-old boys and girls, you know, they, they get in relationships that don't last forever. And it's a lot of it's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and They're bullshit very impulsive and, and impulsive yeah um but i think it's I, all I, about it's all about the growth and i think <clears throat> especially by the time you get to the fourth season and you just see how much growth there is mm-hmm. um i i i enjoy it i i think i have more i have so much more of an issue with the relationship stuff in season two because it's just that's oh. when i'm just like this is yes. pointless yes but yes. here i think it, it's more cute uh it's mm-hmm. more enduring sort of but yeah that's just no uh, let, let me go ahead and co-sign that i wish oh i wish i could i wish i could say you know everything that you said because i was more positive um here's the thing to make a love triangle work you have to uh, um like the characters on all three sides of of that triangle and i just don't I, I only care about one character in particular, uh, and it sucks. It sucks, and I try to, like, give these characters uh, Mako and Mako. whatever his... Mako. Mako, this is, who that, gives that a shit? Not no, no, be the they, last time you'll... Do not pull he'll... a Shyamalan on us, okay? <laughs> this respect will be the la- on his name. <laughs> this won't be the last time he messes it up, guys. I don't know what you expect. And whatever that other guy's name Bolin! is, I just don't... Bolin! Give... Wait, wait. That's not even the love triangle, though. No, it's not. It's Asami. Asami it's and Asami. Yeah, but he, oh, okay. no, Bolin's kind of I'm in stemming it. off. I'm stemming off to where uh, to a bigger issue right here. I just don't give a shit about Team Avatar. Okay, <sighs> Kyle, let me let me backtrack here, and then you can go. Because <laughs> all right, because I wanted to say something real quick. Um, I'm not as positive on the love triangle with these first two seasons. It didn't bother me. I will say it didn't grip me as it seemed to do Alexis. It seems is what she said. It, it, to me, it was perhaps one of the least interesting aspects of season one. And I don't think I became annoyed by it until season two. 
But we can talk about that in episode two. Mm-hmm. For what it was here, I think it was perfectly fine in this kind of a show. So I had no issue with it. However, what you're saying is if you don't care about these characters, that's a more understandable uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get – I don't – Real quick. I guess my thing is because they're teenagers, I, I do think they, they lean into the teenager storytelling. And, you know, like in a high school movie where your lead is like the, the new – sort of nerdy guy in town uh and he's trying to win the 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 love of like the the cool girl the hot girl but she already has a boyfriend who's like the jock on the team and Mm -hmm. you know the jock isn't really that well developed and the girl herself isn't really that well developed she's more of uh an object of affection the only one that's really that developed is the main character um it's basically Shit, that, except all the genders are reversed. Mako yeah. is is the hot chick. Uh, <laughs> um, Cora's, you know, the new guy in town that's that's after her, him, and um, you know, Asami is is the, you know the quarterback who's currently with the hot chick. Mako. Okay, but where does that leave Bolin? Because I think he was trying to get some of that action, but then he just got left behind somewhere along the line. Have you he ever really? seen Have you seen Pretty in Pink? He's Ducky. He's Ducky. He's Ducky. Oh my. Okay, yeah. They lead into <laughs> the high school shit, and I think, and again, it's 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 played out obviously, but I think so much of everything else in the show works for me, and also because the gender roles are reversed, it's a little bit more interesting. Than it would have been mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Saturday, and I mean, like you just like you said, you were saying um, some of the characters aren't well developed, and I agree with that with Mako. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about all three characters though is that they did have an important role in in the, in the story, not just like they were just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, let like, me what be I clear, liked... real quick. We should be uh-huh. clear about that. Is and, and you know, just reading a lot of the reviews at the time, Kyle is definitely the majority opinion of that time. And where a lot of these antics and a lot of these characters were heavily panned for being underdeveloped, uh, Asami and Mako uh, were very much not liked well, as yeah. characters Just at that time. Which is so it interesting to me because nowhere. I think that Asami is such an interesting character and like what she goes through. But is from this so season, from nuts. this season, yeah, it is interesting. I, yeah, this is my thing. Bro, she literally like has to like turn in her dad they, they do like... stuff with that yes but i i think sometimes my issue with asami is that i feel the the show forgets about her sometimes at least that's the impression i get well I, she... this is my thing if, if if you're talking about well-developed characters in comparison to the last airbender in which you had three seasons of 22 episodes that fully were yeah. one story that fully developed it because it's this adventure right. series yeah, they're not nearly as developed. But if you're talking about uh one twelve season. one season, twelve episodes action series, they're they're pretty they're pretty okay. well developed. Again, mm-hmm. it, it depends on the lens through which you see it. But also though, like it's it's really different because uh the three characters in The Last Airbender, what they were trying to be or they were trying to develop is to be their best selves as a warrior you know Katara wanted to be the like the best waterbender uh Sokka wanted to be a, a great leader and Aang had to become the uh the avatar and with these characters though this they all had very different goals from the original team mm-hmm. Asami I mean really they weren't th- looking for like a purpose or something yeah whereas 
the ones they're, in the they're fucking part. teenagers. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Like that that that's actually for me one of the positives I think as far as what differentiates this show and Airbender is that and I think it definitely helped in the villain department in having much more I think gripping and interesting villains and storylines there I think Ooh. all four villains of this show sorry the vi- that, real quick this is this is what I was going to say in the beginning I completely forgot I, I I compared it this is an action show and it is but I think an even better comparison is it's like a superhero show. As far as in in the way, Amazon has this result. Holy shit! Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Bezos crashing our podcast. Oh god, I know. Hi, Jeff. Where's the? Oh, I didn't want. Oh, never mind. I won't make the joke. I don't want the FBI on you. But um, (laughs) it's it's most specifically like a Batman or a Spider Man in which you have the main character, you have the friends around them. Or, like, the people around them that kind of bounce off of the main character. But so much of the show is just on that main character. And then you have the villain that really takes up a lot of the t- the 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 runtime and most of what's interesting about it, really. Like, mm. with most Batman and Spider-Man films. <laughs> like, mm. I, I think you can, if you really view it through that lens and sort of remove it, because also at this remove it from what the last airbender was especially again you want to talk about that first episode they're so advanced as a society now like the avatar is giving you know briefing reports to the city mm-hmm. and stuff like that again like they're they're sort of a superhero Real and quick, then Kyle. sort of that clash with that yeah. um but yeah i that's why i think if you view it differently it makes more sense Kyle, you wanted to say something about the villains? The villains, I find probably the best aspect of the show. Um particularly with the with the first season um with Amon. I am I am I pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. everyone? Amon. Okay. <laughs> Amon what? Uh, um but Amon uh he like the backstory that they give him and everything like that and i i find really intriguing like the the serialized mental abuse and everything like that and how it ties it into the you know world at large i think um i think that was really fascinating um yeah he has a cool voice i love the voice actor i just love the presence he felt like a real full-fledged person the movement that he was leading you know from we find out from a character perspective really was you know authentic and resonant and Mm -hmm. i mean you felt especially toward the latter half of the season you definitely felt how intimidating this person was he literally just took over the entire city within moments it seemed like um at Mm -hmm. least you know because it was gearing up but just real quick i wanted to also bring up this distinction we're talking about the differences in which these characters are developed or not not just the fact that some characters had all the episodes for three seasons and some of these episodes some of these characters have certain episodes the legend of Korra is a much larger ensemble uh than the last airbender we are dealing with so many more characters it's way larger with way less time (laughs) yeah And that's the thing, though. That's the thing. Like, the thing I loved about 
Avatar, The Last Airbender particularly, was that I got to know these characters intimately. Um, and that's that's not the case here that I that I miss. I want to like all these characters. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't going into the show to hate these characters, but I just I wish they would give me some more. And let me let me say of this. them. They I, didn't let them. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't let I know. them. That's true. <laughs> I know. But here's the thing, though. That's why you don't inflate your cast. But you know? Kyle, that's why you don't real, real inflate quick. your characters. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me hear me. Yeah. Out. Okay. Here I'm going to bring out my Doctor Who shit. Okay, uh. let's move on. <laughs> no, shut up. So the thing about Doctor Who was that the one of the most critically panned eras was Pete Davison's era of Doctor Who when he played the Fifth Doctor because there was, guess what? Too many people in the TARDIS. You just didn't give many people, and that's. I mean, the you comic can pull up seasons eleven with, and twelve in the new era right now. It's yeah. the same issue. Because the thing is that you got to know the Doctor and you got to know Clara or whatever companion was, but you know beforehand. But the thing is that with Jodie Whittaker's era, there's too many people in the TARDIS right now, and you, they, there's only so much time that you could give to these characters that you just don't kind of care right um you care about the doctor you care about whatever you know the mission is at large but you just don't give a shit about the characters and that's the problem that i have with this series is that even though it doesn't you know even though it doesn't have enough time why add these characters if you know that you don't have the time you know available one thing for these characters hold on on. i want to i want to add this on uh that way people are informed and everyone here is aware of this and alexis brought this up a lot of these issues may perhaps stem from when Nickelodeon put the series order. It was intended as a one-off, as a spin-off, one like story situation. This was not at all envisioned as a multi-series, uh, you know, multi-season, shall I say, show. And so you can definitely, I feel, infer from season two that there was a lot of juggling going back and forth and developing more things. But from what we know, season one was entirely self-contained, designed to be that way. Even in the last episode when that was broadcast, they weren't aware of the fact that Nickelodeon was out of nowhere going to order more episodes. So that's part of the deal that was happening. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know... The Nickelodeon, in part, did that because they simply had a lack of faith in that a female-led television mm. show in this universe would not be successful. And so, based on that one season order mm. that it was given, yes, it was very rude and very sexist. I think it was definitely, um, you know, Nickelodeon just hedging their bets and saying, you know what, I don't, we don't think this is going to be successful, so we'll just give it that one season, and if it tanks, then we'll move on. And yeah. then out of nowhere, they ordered more episodes yeah and then what i want to say though is that like i said before these characters are important to the story but also to the world building though too because like okay so you have cora which your main character obviously you need her tenzin who is the only airbender around that needs to teach cora so he has to be there maybe you could have ignored lynn but because but i don't I, I think they really didn't have much of a choice that they needed to add like more characters from their original cast or at least like their kids or something from the original show Mm -hmm. just so we can have like a sense of like oh my god it's like it's the same thing almost but not really she's freaking badass yeah she was like yeah she was badass and then you have mock 
Bolin, who's really just comedic relief, but I, that's what I love about him. Marco, it's, it's, he, what, he, I feel like you especially need him because it's such like this show deals with like heavy shit. Yeah, you so know, you and the a, characters that you have aren't necessarily like funny. They're not Sokka, and they're not Katara, and they're not Aang, who have this childlike essence to them. You know, like these are older people dealing with heavy shit. Like, you needed Mark, uh, Bolin. Mm-hmm. And then Mako, he knows, like, the ins and outs of the streets in Republic City. Like, when that episode where Bolin gets taken, he's always like, okay, there's this kid right here. Just pay him. He'll give us information. Oh, shoot. Triple triad. They're in there. What the heck? There's a, all... <laughs> I mean, basically. Oh I don't care. <laughs> that's what he is. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, that's like, that's why you needed him. Asami, like, sadly, she is kind of like, um, the least she's important. She's the but you, What are you talking about? She's the chug, yeah. <laughs> she is the least important, but to me, I feel like she is. She is very athletic. Uh, uh, she's very good with a shocking hand. Storyline. But I just, she has, but she has a great storyline mm-hmm. in the show, but also she is a connection to, uh, to the, them to figuring the team out, and then figuring out yeah. what, uh, but what's his name? Amon. Amon's up to mm-hmm. and all that. But Kyle. again, she also did have a really interesting story because not only did she have to figure out that her dad's a villain, but also like the guy she's dating is in love with someone else. And uh, what I loved about that was that, you know, when you get that episode where Korra gets taken and Mako is just like going batshit crazy trying to look for her. Um they, they they don't do the stereotypical shit of uh, her having to bring up stuff like in the wrong moments. Like, no, when they're looking for her, she stays silent. She focuses on the job. Then once she's safe, once they have dinner, then she brings up, hey, what was up with that? And then again, they go she's on a mission. A good person. Yes. So like she, she is a good character. Just like, I mean, again, just not that well developed, I guess. Maybe they could have done more with more episodes, but, you know, they got screwed over. Kyle. Um, a lot of the issues that you feel, I felt them too, uh, upon rewatching the show and getting it at the end of the first season. I'm like, man, if, if they do, if they had done this with Republic City or like this beat was awesome, but they needed to build it up with like four more episodes leading up to it and this and that. But by the time I got to the later seasons, I realized like, oh, this, th- what, I want or it's like kind of expected what it should be this this or that wasn't the intent of the show like it it became very clear to me by at least the third season what the goal was of the overarching point of the show and the way I viewed it I think changed and made it a lot better in my eyes and again if if I'm if I'm comparing it to the to the, the last Airbender, yeah, it it doesn't it kind of falls apart completely because yeah. you have a million more characters, way less episodes, different mm-hmm. villains, no overarching story. But then I think because they blatantly make it so different, I think it's very obvious that they're basically trying to scream at the audience. This is a very different show with very different goals i mean the first um, scene i, think, I feel maybe I, I, did that you get used to it <laughs> to to pinpoint you know the the point is that you know, you know i feel like it was vastly unfair that this took place after avatar 
you know mm-hmm. i um, like because you have that ginormous legacy i mean it's like making you know a follow-up to the wire you know how do you follow that have up? you watched you the know wire? yes but i not have breaking bad <laughs> no because they made a follow-up um, to breaking bad really well, it's pretty i didn't cool. know that <laughs> anyways no 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 uh, no no uh el camino and you've said it yourself that that's useless. What? <laughs> oh, shit. Did I say that? I don't remember yeah. the things I said. <laughs> we have the tapes. I remember tapes. I remember enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, you say you enjoyed it, but okay. you're also oh, like, you this can is completely be, useless. You can be I was leave there. That out. I was there on that show. Leave out the fact that I enjoyed it. I was there on that show, and you said, I think both of those things that David said were true. but i also said i enjoyed it quite a bit you enjoyed something you deemed useless yes that's right yeah (laughs) well yeah like all of you (laughs) okay in that case you're fired anyways Um, but yeah i mean it it was completely unfair i mean again it sucks because this followed up from avatar the last airbender Mm. i mean how do you follow that up you know it's like you you know you're opening up your okay it's like your led zeppelin opening up for buck cherry you know you you just it just can't be done because like how star? do you follow up from <laughs> yes buck cherry is a is a band but jerry in case you didn't know buck b u c cherry buck cherry yeah i'm going to look this up i don't believe you <laughs> all right fine um but then okay so it, it was kind of jarring going into the i guess i guess that goes back to the first or you know reception of this of this of this series it was very jarring like even though that there were familiar faces it just felt jarring i don't mm. know if maybe it's just at the time that i watch this show which was just a few weeks ago but i appreciated the differences i appreciated mm-hmm. the fact that it was jarring i'm just so tired of franchises doing the exact same shtick and shit over and over again and all of what you're saying kyle look i don't agree but it's perfectly understandable where you're coming from because yeah. a lot of people that, feel that way I, too that's what i meant when i kept telling you guys like i understand people's complaints like i get them but I also like appreciate Cora for. What I guess it for is. me, I made a cognizant decision to you know what. That's why I kind of took a break in between having finished Airbender, and I think I waited a month before I started, to, or a month and a half before I started watching Cora, because I want I didn't want to bring that baggage into mm. this show. I, mm. I made an effort to kind of detach, divorce this, it, divorce it. Yes, because yeah. I don't think it's all that fair to it and in fact a lot of the criticisms from anyone may stem from the fact that it's in the same universe i understand that and i get that but i just wanted to make sure that i didn't because like when i recently rewatched last airbender it reminded me how much i love these characters and if i were Mm -hmm. to have immediately jumped into cora like you did i i i would imagine i would have a different reaction at least at the very beginning that being said though i think there is agreement across the board in the sense that talking about this first season 
There are noticeable and deficiencies. Also, also, to be fair, I've yet to complete season four. Mm. Oh. I've yet to complete season four, so I don't know how this whole entire thing shapes up, but right now my uh my initial reaction, especially with the first season, is is that. No, I mean, and a lot of people's were. Um, I would imagine a lot of fans just didn't know what to make of it. But you know what? I don't know. I, I think across the board, at least for me, can all of the issues, you know, included, I thought it was overall a success. At least it landed with me. And I'll say, look, I get what you're, I get what you're saying about Mako and Asami. They were relatively... Um, I wouldn't say I didn't care about them, but they were there, I guess, for me. I Though I will say, I don't know how you didn't like Bolin. I think he's kind of one of the like, favorite characters on the show. He's kind of hilarious, <laughs> like, every step of the way. Like, I love that guy. Like, he's yeah. he's great. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because some of these episodes I watched after a long shift. Oh, God. Oh, God. Bringing your baggage but I just into didn't this. F- but I just didn't find any of his banter funny. Not even Pabu? Pabu? You didn't like Pabu? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's, okay, Pabu's cute. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him that. But, like, I loved Lin Beifong. I oh, loved... my God, yes! Oh okay, my God. can we go into, like, other characters that are not that please? Well, Tenzin. I love Tenzin and his family. And yes. Like, oh, yeah. I thought they were all the great. Little... And there's, like, six of them. <laughs> his son is, like, Ang, but on crack. What's his, what's his name? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, what is his name? Um, What is his name? The youngest son of Tenzin. Um... Oh, I shit. feel like. How Genora? do I feel? Hold on, Genora. hold on. I'm on it. Genora. I'm on it. Fuck. <laughs> That's his name. Fuck. No. Um, Milo. 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 <laughs> yeah, you all <laughs> disappointed me. It's Genora, Milo, and the third one. That's... They all look the same. That's why. I'm and the only reason I know Jadora is because of what happens later on. <laughs> um, Miki. But, like, they're all, like, Miki? I just kind of see them as Tenzin's kids. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it Iki? Or... Iki. Iki. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Is it? Yeah. I thought that was yes. an animal name. <laughs> and then the, okay, I just, I love Aang's family in general, all of them. Um... But you know they're not in this season, so it's fine. I, I mean, love Boobie, the saucy boomies in, his... in the end, so you know that's kind of fun. I love the saucy oh. history between uh, Beifong and Tenzin. Yes, uh, yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I, and I like he, I like his wife like, too. You dated? Uh, oh yeah, when she's like, "What are you guys talking about?" I was like, <laughs> "Why are you guys out here?" And he's like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not nothing, nothing. Yeah. Also, it's hilarious. I didn't know until like later research after I was done with the season because I didn't want to like accidentally stumble into spoilers, which I'm prone for that. Um, but there, I found out that that was J.K. Simmons, and that blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's very reserved for being <laughs> J.K. Simmons. How could you not notice <laughs> oh, J.K. Simmons' voice? I know. 
I I don't know. I don't know. It just it wasn't the registering. The performance was that good, is what Kyle is saying. <laughs> that he disappeared into <laughs> yes. the role. Uh, he disappeared within Tenzin. Yeah. Um, but I also, also like. I mean, aside from like obviously them dating and stuff, I do love the relationship with Tenzin and uh, Lynn, and like that that part when she's like. Um, when Amon is trying to go to Air Temple Island and like attack them, and she's like, "No, like I need to save your family. You, you are the last Airbenders. You guys need to go." Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> but it it also ha- it's that like very human, yeah, um, touch. reality touch yeah. that I that I love from this series. You know, stretching back mm-hmm. to the last Airbender. Where it's like they were together, they had issues. One of the biggest is that she didn't want kids, and he very much did. Specifically, I mean, let's not yeah. forget the fact that they, not they weren't just a couple; they are lifelong friends. I mean, this yeah. is the yeah. daughter of Toph Beifong and the firstborn son, or not? Sorry, the thirdborn son of mm-hmm. of uh, it's the Aang. youngest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He acts like the oldest, imagine but he's the youngest. How, like, oh man, can you imagine how crazy Aang was? Like. When okay, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, I, there's so many different dynamics that I find really interesting. Like you know, name point Lin and Tenzin. Um, the thing that I I forgot what I was gonna say. Continue, continue <laughs> what we were saying until I gather it. Um, can we talk about like the flashbacks that they have to Aang? Oh, well, that's specific story points, but just real before that, because I think just in a broader sense, um, I think we talked about this before, but yeah, I think the animation is a step up. I would say the score is a step up. Um, wow. I love I love the end credits uh, little. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, the music is like really good. Yeah, um, it is. But it's a it's a refrain. It's a musical refrain from uh, the Avatar. And, love and to Peter's book. point about the action, and he from mentioned the first, this uh, series. It's it is. Uh, mm-hmm. To Peter's it's point so about the action, you found something out about like the fighting style that the one in the Last Airbender was based on like uh, other cultures, mm-hmm. and this one is like boxing like yeah, oh, yeah. well i mean you pro can bending. tell <laughs> pro bending is such yeah. a cool idea and and just an obvious incorporation that would happen over time um as like the blending of all the different um nations happen uh and and it it yeah like it basically created a new type of bending which is mm-hmm. more boxing with pro bending and you see mm-hmm. it, it's quidditch it, it's basically, basically quidditch but yeah. you see like <laughs> but they even bring it up like bolin like the the way they do it is they duck dive weave and then mm-hmm. and well they had like a less traditional scene. yeah mm-hmm. they had a scene though it's like uh bolin tells cora it's like okay show me what you got and like she does a regular bending style like wide stance and everything mm-hmm. and he goes okay that's cool but you're gonna get knocked out easily by that and she's like what it's like yeah you gotta keep your body close together and like and then just kind of take a little bit step at a time boom boom okay that, and that's where i find mm-hmm. it that's where i find it really fascinating too because like obviously you know you have these old traditional fighting styles you know like you have 
your chi and everything it was based on like the fluidity of your mm-hmm. of your body but then obviously fighting styles have changed over time into where we have like the professional fighting that we have you know today that is uh, and i found that really fascinating it's like the evolution of this world you know another great little detail is um mako his job is literally being a um it's basically like a factory job but being uh what's it called uh lightning bending like like they have that scene where it's it's like a row of them just bending lightning to like create energy or whatever and then he's Mm -hmm. like oh you know the the whistle goes off like oh i'm off the clock you know it's just interesting like the way they incorporate bending into like everyday life the the way this society would eventually do and happen Uh, Mm -hmm. like little touches like that are really cool yeah, I mean, look, the choreography in general, not just limited to pro bending, but the choreography is a complete step up from it airbender. Is. And and to me, in the hands of lesser creators, writers, producers, they could have just as well just carried on the same style as the first show, but they mm-hmm. didn't. They really developed I've, it further. I've heard I, critiques. I, okay, I kind of disagree with this because I feel like in The Last Airbender, every movement and every fighting style and everything like that had a purpose wait hold on alexis i I, i'm not saying that they should have or that they could have i'm saying that they were right to do it because in the hands of lesser people they could have been lazy about it and just like copied and pasted i'm saying that they were smart to develop the fighting sequences even further along because this this entire show itself is an evolution of the last airbender Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that if it weren't Kunietzko or DiMartino in the hands of lesser people, they wouldn't have bothered to have even thought of that detail and just use the mm-hmm. exact what was already established and just carry that over. But what you're saying, basically your point, let me be clear about that. I agree with you, but you can go ahead and, and saying that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I was going to say like that fight at the, at the uh, pro bending finals. Where fucking Lin is like Circus Dole, delaying <laughs> around Circus, and then she freaking launches Korra up there, and then they're oh, freaking yeah. they're fighting on their like it's um, it's so good, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, dude, Lin, the way that she fights is so cool. <laughs> I just love her so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh shit! It's kind of cool go ahead, that. Go ahead. It's kind of cool that uh, one of Toff's biggest legacies is creating a new form of bending. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's and it's continuously being used to this day. I I, I love it. Should we get into the uh, anti-bending movement and how that was executed? Come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it, it, no. Go ahead. I I loved right off the bat, like they just went into it as to like what the conflict was the conflict was going to be in this series, and like so, Cora, um, she like she's barely getting to the city, and she sees this dude like like the coolest movement is here, blah blah blah, and like just the their conversation going back and forth of him being like you're oppressing me <laughs> like you're oppressing yourself <laughs> that's literally what he says and so i just i like right right off the bat you get the conflict uh, of the show and everything and then it just the way it develops further and further as to 
Amon being uh, the freaking scariest villain ever, honestly. <laughs> um. Well, that mask, though. <laughs> the mask is great. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like I said, like I, I felt like each season sort of touched on all four seasons touch on an aspect not only related to the villain and where they align as far as bending goes but issues that arise um once i think societies reach a certain point and they they become more um mm, what do you call it uh, a more in, industrialized world and when is that one of those things is and they i saw i keep because i looked up the villains while watching this and there's so many um because obviously a lot of people caught on to this and they would assign the sort of political ideology that all the other villains had um and then they would amon assign his and under his they would put communism and that really made me go like oh my god like people don't know what communism is no uh, amon is I not i saw that I saw that too, and I can tell you, it it pissed me off too. And let me just, you know, for our listeners, um, if you know me, Alexis Soda, you know how much I hate the fact that people conflate socialism and communism. Don't know what the fuck either one stands for, especially the whole Bernie Sanders shit and fuck off everybody. But literally, that does upset me because here we have Amon who, you know, at first I was annoyed because I, oh God, we're going to do this. But I was actually kind of won over because- the movement was an authentic movement and it was speaking to truths about inequalities uh-huh. in society. And you see how either at the end of this or at the beginning of the other season, how they basically had reform the, the Republic city because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if he's, if you're going to label him politically, he's an egalitarianist, which is just, you know, equality, extreme equality for everyone. Um, and, Again, it's it's one of those things where you're now creating a society where everyone lives so close together, everything's starting to become connected, and those tensions start to, to rise because of that, and one of those being, you know, benders and non-benders. And there are certain key scenes throughout the season where it's like, oh, like, yes, this is interesting. Like, that time where they're trying to round up the... Uh, the terrorists, the, the uh, Amon's equalist terrorists. So all these uh, non-benders past curfew. Uh, what's his name? Oh my Tar- God. Tarlock's just like <laughs> round them up. Uh, and and you, you That's know, happening the in America right now. Just, That's happening in America right now. <laughs> the police come in and I loved one of the lines as they're rounding them up. Like one of the... Um, one of the people in the crowd, the, the non-benders, mm-hmm. like they look to Korra and they say, like, hey, you're you're our avatar too. Like, like you're here to provide because that and you're here to provide the, the balance for us as well. Yeah. And it's little moments like that where it's like you're you're speaking to real issues that mm-hmm. are kind of universal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they make the villain that much more interesting and the conflict that much more interesting. This at a time where our own political leaders are literally opening fire on peaceful protesters, labeling them the enemy to kind of rifle their cause. 
I mean, it's it's unbelievable the timing of this, right? Um, it's just now like that moment, as well as many others, are very resonant. But mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happening in that situation. Um, do you guys remember? Shoot, it's I remember it's a story I read back in maybe the seventh grade, sixth grade. It was uh Harrison Bergeron. Do you guys? I think that's the name name of the story. Do you guys remember this? And and, and I think it, it's it's basically because all I all villains all the villains in this um series are political ideologies to their you know basically to their most extreme and and negative aspects of them. Um and. When it comes to egalitarianism, it, it's all about equality. Harrison Bergen was a story about like it, it's sort of like satirical science fiction of the future in which everyone is forced to be as equal as humanly possible. So in the story, like if you're if you're really smart, you have to have an implant implanted into your ear that gives you headaches so that your your IQ the, the the headaches bother you so much that your IQ is brought down and if you're beautiful if you're too beautiful you have to wear a mask you got to wear a mask yeah <laughs> to 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 hide your beauty and if you're too strong they put you have to have weights attached to you so that you know you weren't so strong and and, and stuff like that um and it, it it's ob- it's obviously a satire of you know equality to the nth degree and that's basically amon and you know he wants people so equal that he's going to take away you know their bending and in sort of that sort of force Basi- it's it's basically the equivalent of putting weights on people that are too strong or putting a mask over people's face that are too beautiful and shit like that. So yeah, that was that was as I was watching the season, it reminded me of that story and that's why I I, I wrote it down and just throw it in there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and another example you just brought up about people misunderstanding communism. It's another example of how people who are fan of the fans of this um avatar universe from both of these shows have a uh, even though the, the show does a good job of explaining certain things they don't have a very good idea of what the politics are trying to tell you here. <laughs> a, a lot of people in nerd culture have like such far right and backwards views of things and it's so crazy to me because well, we see like, that in the hatred of Korra the character yeah and i mean but like you don't just see it here you see it in movies you see it in star wars you see it in like anime and shit like you see it oh especially yeah like you see it everywhere and it's like fuck like you how do you adore these things and just never take in what the stories are about like uh, when (laughs) this whole black lives matters thing started uh the creators i can't remember which one you shared it, Moreno. Mm-hmm. Put out a post, and it's like, like if you have an issue with this, and or if you feel like I'm inserting politics into places that I shouldn't, like you, you never understood what the last Airbender was <laughs> to begin with. And it's so true. Like, and, and I really noticed that when I rewatched the last Airbender. Like, yeah, like how do you adore the last Airbender, but then go like, hey, you know. 
politics, Trump good, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, again, it's so crazy. Uh, again, we're comparing it to Star Wars and all that shit. Why do you always um, have to bring Star Wars so- though? <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. Says the guy who brings up Last Jedi every, like, I don't know. But the thing is, is that, like, everybody, like, is like, oh, you know, there was never this much politics in in Star Wars when it was being addressed in Star Wars The Last Jedi and uh, the previous one and all that stuff. And, like, guys, do you not, do you not remember that the first Star Wars series, the first trilogy was based off of, like, the politics of Vietnam and everything like that? Do you guys not remember that? Uh, do you not remember the correlations that he made between the World War II fighter? I mean, literally, some shots were made due to some stock footage of fighters in World War II. I mean, it's always been political. It's always about about war. It's always had these elements of political, you know, ism in there. I don't understand why people like all all of a sudden are you know up in arms. Well, about the answer is obvious. That. At some point, you know, they've been radicalized by the far right in different forms of media. How exactly remains to be seen, but I think that's kind of how it, it happened. But I feel it's always important to re- remember the context of where we are right now. We're talking about an animated series that reflects real life with these relevant political issues. Um, at the point where real now, so. Now so more than ever well, within the confines right. of our own country. But also at a point in which reality has kind of become a cartoon in where I, I, I couldn't believe it when Peter said yesterday to me that uh, President Trump went to go tour the damage of what Joe Biden's America would look like. Um, I don't know. A, a building, I guess, was defaced or something like that. It, it, I could – I thought that was a parody or something, but he literally went to, I think, Kenosha and he was touring the damage of – what you would think would be a hurricane, but it was, I guess, an example of what would happen if Joe Biden became the president. And it's like, that's literally like too stupid to be in a show like an animated series that, you know, Americans look down on. But look at how ridiculous I life saw, is. I saw an image of um, of of that and like the high heels that he was wearing too <laughs> was just an icing on the cake. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back yes. to the show. Bloodbending. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. A- oh, yeah. That came back in a huge way in this <laughs> uh, in this show. Yeah. That was uh, nuts. Like- <laughs> it was scary. It was uh, it's yeah. really Especially scary. Especially, like, you had to, like, they train for, like, who knows how many years to actually just do it with their mind instead of, like, hand movements and shit. Oh, God. Well, there was a flashback But, but I like that. that- yeah, I like the the backstory with them too. Um, it's very depressing. <laughs> oh, you know what? Before we move on, with, uh, we, before we get further into bloodbending, one of the um, attributes I wanted to bring up that I think was quite impressive, and you look, I think across the board, the voice acting is stellar, but the um, the older vo- the older versions of these legacy characters from Airbender. Um, they have very similar, in most cases, dictions and how they used to talk. I mean, obviously they sound older, but like they, I think they pulled it off where a lot of the older versions of these characters felt like I was, it was the same character I was looking at in the form of Sokka 
Aang and Katara and Toph. Maybe Zuko least of all. He, but I mean, but Dante he's like Vosco, more yeah. older than we saw him originally. Um, but the thing is, is that you know, with that uh, being said, like Sokka, I had to do a double take to see if it was Jack Decina doing his voice, but it wasn't. Um, but like it, it, it very much like, it, and also like, also the mannerisms, like Toph still called Aang after all these years, Twinkle Toes. Mm-hmm. Aang, who is now well. Well, oops, spoiler for later on. He's I dead. That's another moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that flashback scene you're talking about, which, you know, the blood bending is revealed. I think, look, in general, this is the example of how to utilize legacy characters. Very sparingly, but you can use them. And they use, I think, very effectively throughout the show yeah. um, where they're the, needed. The first episode. They lay they lay it down and and again, oh my god, this is where I'm definitely bringing up the Last Jedi because it's the, <laughs> uh, it. I do it. Is this why do you always got to bring Star Wars? Oh, it's it? not Star Wars. It's the Last Jedi. It's not real Star Wars. It's it's fake Star Wars. Remember? Haven't you heard it was Haven't canceled today? Yeah, yeah, it was canceled. Um, <laughs> um, but no, like when 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 the whole discussion about. When, well, no, when they put The Last Airbender on Netflix and I got big again and people started talking about Korra and then everyone was just like, oh, it like it was the same shit. It was the exact same shit as what would happen with the, the new trilogy where people were sharing a picture of the gang, but as like young adults, I guess. I don't know, maybe in their 30s or 20s. Yeah. And they're like, this is what we wanted. This is <laughs> it, that is but the point, though, is that people yeah. don't want anything new. They just want the they, same. They it's just like, want the it's same. A, it's a sad shit. commentary that people just can't grow as people. Yeah, and 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 that's why I liked in the first episode where um, Katara's just like, I, you know, I'm I'm old now. You know, most of my <laughs> my friends are gone. You know, we 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 did. We did our job, you know, we had our adventures, you know, it's time for you guys to go and, and do the same. And could, even though Katara's like, through, she's there throughout the series, she never, she's never, never, ever a central character. But Peter. And and that's but that's Peter. exactly how you should do it when you, um, I don't know, like do a follow up. Like it's no, yeah. especially when you have new main characters. Like no, like let now it's their time and, and their story. And then yeah. from an audience yeah, perspective, like it's more interesting. Still there with like, with all of their kids. So I don't understand. Yeah, like, the, how people aren't like satisfied with. I don't like, get it. Like because people yeah, want, either. they just want the same thing. They want the same thing, but it's <laughs> yeah. like you got the story. Anything else you get with them, yeah. probably. Well, it's the same thing you said about Star Wars, right? It. Is that people wanted episode seven, eight, and nine to just be Luke Han and Leia again, but old now. Yeah, and it's like that's not exciting to me. That's so depressing <laughs> <laughs> that you try to bring them back. 40 years later and just do the same thing it's just like oh that's sad um i i don't i there, there's a line later on in the show yeah and where one season of them four is right like, i'm too yeah. old for this yeah yeah 
I yeah. can't do this anymore. It's like, yeah, like, you guys have got it. You know, and it's yeah. Yeah, like it's true. I'll just be over here chilling. <laughs> it's the next generation's problem now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that moment. Uh, I don't want to get into it now, but it is a moment uh, that kind of is uttered from one legacy character talking about another legacy character not getting involved. And what I found so hilarious, it's not it's not just that it's like not their place any longer. They also don't care. They're old. Yeah. They have other concerns. <laughs> They're on the you know? way out and they know it. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, I don't know. I, I love the but guys that we got. Um, I love uh, all uh, of the Aang moments. That moment where she can finally um, connect to the what is it called? To her, house. yeah, to uh, to her avatar state, and Aang comes. Aang comes and like helps her out, and he's like, "You you called me here," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it because she's like. Uh, Tenzin, don't bother me. And it, I mean, Tenzin <laughs> is Aang. It's a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you guys forget something very important. No one is ever really gone. Oh <laughs> well, well, season two. Well, well, to differ. Well. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not there no, yet. I, no. I do what I mentioned though. I love it when you see Katara for the first time, and um, she oh, really shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, you know, she's seeing Korra like doing her last bit of training and fire bending, and at the end, she like they think they tell her like, okay, I find you past this and whatever, and she like cheer and she's cheering and everything, and but she calms down. It's like, oh, thank you, I have teachers and all that. But then I kind of go. But then the camera goes to Katara and she's yeah. smiling at her. Like, you can tell yeah. she's seeing Aang in her. It's awesome. Yeah, oh like God. the energetic energy so and youthful. Many... Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, and that's where I find, like, Korra the most interesting character about this is that, you know, she does, again, it's like she wants to have, like, this yearning of the responsibility, like you guys mentioned before. But also, she, there's little twinkles, little twinkles of her of her predecessor in there mm-hmm. as well that I find really fascinating as, you know, as her character is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that great moment when Lynn is like, I can't believe... That crazy fucking girl is is <laughs> your dad, you're you know, your really sweet your dad. Sweet, yeah, your sweet father. <laughs> and then he's just like, I told you, you guys would probably get along. Like, <laughs> yeah. And when when uh, Cora was like, did she like not get along with your dad or something? Like, does she have a thing or like a bad vibe with the Avatar? And he's like, no, they got along great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Um, considering how things played out, uh, Aang was probably much more of a parent than other people. Yeah, um, yeah he probably uh, was. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying that you get the impression at this point from Lin, she loved Aang. Let's just yeah, uh, okay, put that okay. up there. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to throw shade at bad parenting here. I'm not throwing any accusations. I'm so we'll, excited to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> about bad parenting. We'll get to I it when we get to it. But anyways, um, there was something that I was gonna bring up, but I completely was there anything else you wanted to mention about bloodbending and how it was used, mm. or did we discover oh, it? the story? 
the story that was entailed with it well, was really interesting. With Amon. So, yeah. With the, Amon right. and the backstory and everything like that, abuse and mm-hmm. everything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the, well, seeing that and then how the way their both of their stories ended. Like, yeah. it was That was the part when I first watched it that really just hit me. That was actually the moment where it hit me like, oh, this is a different show. Yeah. <laughs> they, they went from you know? not yeah. even having the balls to show us to, to have us watch Jet die to fucking double murder suicide. suicide. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, they joined like, I remember, Jet. Like, I was watching it with my brother and yeah um, in a jet. Oh my god. <laughs> I, got it. I, got I need it. a want want uh, for you today, okay? <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was so crazy. I was watching it with my brother, and both him and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> there, especially because, and the I think because the backstory is so well well told with them. Um, it's pretty emotional when when it does happen, yeah. and it is yeah. a, a shock, and I hit kind of a gut punch, like, oh, okay, that's not what I expected. It literally surprised Nick, me. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. <laughs> Nickelodeon. <laughs> Coming up next is iCarly. <laughs> right after this, I know you see. Oh my god, um, there was something I wanted to bring. Oh, um, freaking Zuko's grandson, Iro. <gasps> oh yeah, guys. General. By the way, can we appreciate Gen- his names, Iro and Boomy. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, yeah. Just the fact that his name was Iro, it was already like starting to swell and everything like that. But then I completely forgot that Dante Bosco mm-hmm. returned as a vocal role and like the tears. <laughs> oh my god, it was good. It was that that was good shit. We need more General Iro, but he did good. He did good. This mm-hmm. this uh, this series. you really don't see much of um, uh, Fire Lord Ozai and his family. Throughout the whole series. Zuko. Zuko. Zuko, sorry. Same shit. <laughs> well, it's still his family. Technically uh, speaking. The Ozai's. Yeah, Ozai's technically not. still Ozai's Keep family, yeah. I mean, Keeping up with the Ozai's. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> For real though. Um, but no, yeah, I think that's... And then like the fact... I don't know if they mentioned... Yeah, they mentioned in this one, right? The fact that Zuko had a daughter. I love it. No, it wasn't this one. Yeah, it was. No, it was season four. Well, we see the daughter at the end of the series. She literally gets actually... one line in the entire series. Yeah. I know. Yeah. that That's yeah. like the one thing that I wish we would have seen. Like, Well, more we her. can get that into season four, as you mm-hmm. guys kept telling me in all those Avatar episodes. We don't want to no, spoil it. No, but we don't it. get her. We like, don't... What do you mean we don't get her? At all. Like, like she gets like... one line. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm saying in general, I wish we would have seen more of that. And I agree with and you. Then, think, um, yeah. And like, yeah, again, like the fact that Aang named his first kid Boomy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that crazy bitch. I mean, I mean the original one and then also this one. It, I mean, and they have a similar personality as well. Well, come you to are know. introduced to him at the very end of the season. That's right. Yeah, that's it's, right. So, it's so great. He's like, now I got to entertain my brother. And, yeah, and then and all the kids like, are happy, wow. like, Uncle Boomy. <laughs> yeah. yeah Uncle- the only thing we get from him is, 
This is great. Oh my god. See, that's the so, thing. Uh, I wonder how that yes. conversation went with uh with Aang and Katara. I They're know. like, hey, let you know what we should what should we name him? Boom. Boomy. <laughs> the the talent behind this show is so good that they're able with just the, the smallest, um, you know, animation looks and jokes and dialogue here and there, even with everything stacked against them. So many characters, so little, so little time, so little episodes, um, they're still able to wrap it up in a really good package right like and i really it's the talent if it, i feel like if it was any other team that was given the constraints that they were it would just be a dumpster fire and, and let's be real i mean yeah they were given some real constraints no i wanted to say i i feel like based on like all of what we're talking about here this is kind of the blueprint for how to do in it like interconnective or you know how people always like rave about oh my god it connected to this or it connected to that this is how you do it mm -hmm. yeah because there's so much that you don't know and that's okay like so many questions you might be like well, where did this character end up where it happened with this what happened with that you don't know because it doesn't pertain to this story but when it does intercede with this story you find out like general iroh like it's like did did uh, uh, what uh, did um Zuko have kids or grandkids or what happened with that? You only find out until it's uh, pertinent to the story itself, where they have to call in support and, and the leader of the uh, the the navy of the new nations of Republic or whatever. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to ask. I'm really um unsure as to how. Uh, the nations work. So obvious. The comics explain that. I gather, right? There was something about that afterward. It's still, it's still the same. It just kind of a, a new kind of country. This is up. what I gathered. The the quick reading that I did. So, mm -hmm. and they do a little bit of it in the first episode because it seems Fire like the Zuko, Earth, the Earth Kingdom is still on its own doing its own thing. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. They, so Republic City was formed out of an agreement from what I read from Fire, Lords, Fire Lord Zuko, Avatar Aang, and the Earth King, Earth King Quay, uh, that we met back in uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. That's his name, apparently, Earth King Quay. That's what I found out on the okay. reading that I did. And they established these lands. There was a conflict. They almost began another war because the Earth King felt like, well, we're taking away lands that were ripped away from us 100 years ago they should be ours mm -hmm. again yeah. conflict happened but they all came it's a complicated situation but it was established that republic city would be this monument to the end of the 100 years war but basically republic city is its own nation independent of the fire nation and the earth kingdom as well as the northern and southern water tribes they're all mm -hmm. still their own independent nations which just mm -hmm. added a, a different one in republic city okay right? I believe but they have a navy right but it's, that's it right yeah but it's the um the fire well, nation's navy no, no it's no. like it's it's like united nations yeah type of thing. um and i believe i think correct correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the that republic city was originally the first 
um, Earth Kingdom colony that the right. Fire Nation took over. Yes. And one of the things that confused me a little bit, um, I didn't get it until a few episodes in, in the dynamic with Mako and with Bolin, they're brothers, but they're different benders. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. that's not that's not usually how this shit happens, or, or at least that's not and what I think because, so. Because it's called of being that, mixed because- race, okay? I mean, yeah, it's because of that, because since it was the first, so this is explained in the first comic, so spoilers. Right, right, Um, um, They talk about how um, the, what's it called, Zuko goes into this place, I forgot the name of, like, the original place, Uh, but he goes This is the first colony that Sozin established, right? Yes, this yeah. is the first one, and he goes in there to try to take away every like the Fire Nation from there, like all of them. But when he gets there, um, the like they they like try to like assassinate him. Like that's how bad they well, were. Well, angry they didn't want to leave. They didn't. Yes, because so here's nicely because go ahead, David. Go ahead. <laughs> go well, ahead. I'm not trying to like say everything right right (laughs) no like they so yeah so he tried to go in there to take them away and then they were like wait hold up like we created a life here like we we are part of this land now like you can't just take us away and it turns out that the leader of that like new colony what married an earthbender and they created a life there and they created like like how you said, a mixed race life. And that's kind of was the beginning of the tension between Zuko Mm -hmm. and the Earth King, because the Earth King Mm kind of was like, well, wait a minute here. You promised me you were going to give me back these lands. Mm -hmm. But then Zuko was like, well, they don't want to go back to you. So what do we Mm -hmm. do here? That's kind of the birth of Republic City, the gist Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, I I got confused by the time we hit season three and then further confused in season four. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like... It's what? still the same. It's just Republic City. It's his own thing. Okay. And that's kind of like like how we said it's the legacy. You're not alone, Peter. I was questioning every step of the way. I did, this information I, I read afterward, after mm-hmm. season four, because I was too a little unsure about, wait a minute, what? How does this What are the dynamics? Like yeah. Because yeah. like they were calling the Fire Nation for backup in like the first season. Um. Yeah, it was weird. I I didn't <laughs> I didn't understand the the dynamics of um of are they in charge of a I, of the world? You mean? Yeah, like did the did all the nations come together to form? No, one? no, no. Or is it? I yeah, it was. I guess the best comparison is is as New York City was its own nation, and that was it. That's kind of what it. It, it most mm-hmm. would resemble it, but yeah. But I would, but but they also make it seem like Republic City has like a lot of power. But I feel like if you're just one city, you don't have that much power. That's true. But I, but I mean, we spend most of our time here anyway, at least with this season. So mm-hmm. you could, we don't really go anywhere else, right? Um, this season, we're, we're pretty much contained. Yeah, no, this no, yeah it's only yeah. Republic City. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. That was, I just had questions on that. So, um, in that line of thought, uh, before we go uh, today, um, along with any other things that people wanted to mention, were there any other, shall we say, 
issues and or criticisms uh, or nitpicks uh, that you wanted to address were uh, in, in this season, whether it comes in the form of episodes, characters that hadn't already hasn't already been discussed. This question no. goes to all of I you. I do um, something that I did enjoy um, the style of animation. Uh, the way that they kind of do this one has a lot more like anime features in this one. That's true. Like the facial expressions mm-hmm. that they do and yeah. stuff like that. Yes. So that's, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it's more leaning to the influences that they yeah. had previously. Mm-hmm. Like when um they take away the bending and they do like the eyes with like the super super tiny pupils. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that's very super anime. Everything with Bolin is super anime. At least I felt <laughs> that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter, any other nitpicks, concerns, issues you've had with overall season one? Uh, your favorite actor was the leader of the, the, what's it called? The, the main rival team in, um, uh, Pro Bending. That was an issue you had? No, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> actor? Yeah, Rami Malek. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, what? I did not know who that is. I, you um, know I'm not good with names. Freaking the guy. Bohemian from... Rhapsody. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is... Uh, an issue that they somewhat fix in future seasons, but I feel the first season they they didn't really address it. Is that they bring up a lot again a lot of these interesting issues that are going on societally for Republic City, you know, with Amon and Benders, non-Benders, and that conflict. The ineffective council, which was so aggravating to see play out. Yeah. But I feel mm-hmm. like they don't address those issues, right? Like Amon, they don't tackle them head on. Yeah, but I feel like in in later seasons, even beyond the villain being defeated, they still attempt to address those issues that obviously still exist, even though the villain is gone. Whereas with this, not to like get into like season two or three or four too much but it's like you literally had a massive massive underground movement of people that fucking hated benders and took over the city and then it's like what that that animosity is just gone now because Amon's gone Mm -hmm. like I feel like there should have been something at the end of the season in which racism is solved yeah (laughs) It's that kind of thing. I mean, this is the least of their problems of what happens in the next few seasons. I mean, let's be real. Um, well, and they do kinda, a better job it, of addressing it. Yeah, I, yeah, I just think... It kind of ties season. into, like, also... it's. I don't really have an issue with it, but I know a lot of people do have an issue with it. With um, with Korra, how... Korra lost her bending. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> uh, that. I read and, this, too. They were pissed that she just got her powers back just yeah. like that. You know what? mm, How do you guys feel about that? That's interesting. Because this kind of continues on throughout the seasons where something happens to her and then she comes back, which I 
to me, I don't see it as a problem. Uh-huh. Uh, but I can see why people might see it as a problem. And people really don't like that about this show. I think it's very <laughs> obvious why it happened. Like, they yeah. wanted all the loose ends tied up by the end of it because they didn't think they were getting a second season and then after they were... Because it wasn't wasn't on the table, guys! There was no reason to expect any more seasons. They were told one season, one story, finish it off. Well, what actually happened was they initially wrote it, they were writing it for multiple seasons, but then they told them, never mind, just one season... So they so they scaled everything back and and shoved it all into this one season and then afterwards God. they were like oh this season did wear we're gonna green light you for more seasons and they're like well what the fuck you know yeah. it, it was that like it must have been a bitch to work on this show like oh mm. my gosh although to me though it did make sense how she got her bending back because uh so she Magic. sees Aang and he's like. Well, she sees Aang and he says, I was like, oh, how am I seeing you? And he goes, uh, when you hit our lowest point, we're open to the greatest change. And something that happens in the last Airbender all the time is that whenever Aang sees um, uh, Roku. Roku, but like just kind of like automatically, it always, it always is on this like lowest point. So the first time we see him going to the Avatar state, uh, he finds out that his people got wiped out. Yeah, and that is a low point for him. Like he just I loses mean... control. <laughs> and then another time, though, Roku shows up randomly is in the beginning of season three when Ang realizes that everyone in the world thinks he's dead again. Mm-hmm. He failed bossing say and all that. So that is another like low point in his life. Every every other time you see him, though, he's like there's some sort of magical thing going on around him, so it connects him to the spirit world. From what I read. Uh, with this particular criticism, um, I don't think it w- that was the issue. Although I will say from a narrative standpoint, I think it tracks. Considering the production uh, difficulties, it also makes yeah. sense. I feel maybe perhaps at least the sentiment that I got from certain reviews that I read was the missed opportunities in yeah. having future yeah. episodes with an avatar that is entirely powerless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then again – some of it's addressed later in the show, and we will get to it, I feel. Mm-hmm. People didn't have an issue with Aang magically being able to enter uh, the Avatar state because a rock hit him in the back. I, I <laughs> You shouldn't have an issue with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true, though. It was just what the story needed, and I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand what people say, because... That would have been interesting because then obviously that's what you could have done for the next three seasons is her travel to these places to relearn how But to... then I feel like that's such a repetitive thing. That's too, like, that's another thing too, yeah, because yeah. then it's mm-hmm. like, well... And also, like, I I do really like what we got with her. That, yeah, you I know, do too. She got them back, and she, but she had to deal with these other things that are fucking intense. You know, and such, like, huge trauma each season. I mean, <laughs> again, we're not there yet, but I really love seasons yeah. three and four. Uh, uh-huh. Not two? Uh, we will we'll get talk to- about two. <laughs> two, yeah. Kyle. I have thoughts uh, as well. You, uh, any other issues for season one or anything else you wanted to comment about season one that you had? Um, what, okay. 
Moreno brought up a thing about, you know, it being repetitive if she did, you know, if she's trying to relearn everything like that. Yes and no. Because the thing is, is that she was already well into her, like, avatar training and everything like that. She already, you know, she's fully embraced the avatar and just recently Aang, uh fully re you know embraced being the avatar and everything like that i mean he froze himself just because he didn't want to deal with that shit but cora was already well into it um so that would have been really interesting to see where her character would have gone relearning everything like that because um because she was already well adapted and well you know inept at being the avatar that I think that that would have been interesting because she, uh, again, being well formed and well versed into what she was and all that confidence that she had as the avatar, like, I'm the avatar, deal with it. You know, she already knew since day one. But to see that, you know, see the curtain, you know, get the rug, you know, tossed under from your feet would let, lead to great drama and everything like that to the story and i don't know that would have been an interest in an alternate universe i think we all understand I that i think that in some way i will reiterate i think those concerns and what potential that might have happened is addressed toward the finale you know the, the final episodes of the final season of this show look to me look uh when i think about this this particular critique that we're that we're looking at I am of the mind that DiMartino and Kunietzko could have handled it in a way that it wouldn't have been repetitive because they don't do a lot of repetitive shit like other places do. But you also mm-hmm. could think that perhaps they chose not to do that because they just maybe they themselves felt it would have been too repetitive. So um, that's – Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's completely understandable. Um, but the thing um, – is is that I had no gripes about her getting her powers back either. You know, I could have gone either way yeah. and yeah. still found it intriguing um, because it's a different circumstance in one instance. And then it's uh, the other one is like it's just what the story needs. And again, I'm a big component of whatever the story needs. Right. You do that, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, I th- that's all I have. Yeah, I think we're. Uh, just about done. I guess one thing we could do at the end of these shows is ask, um, I guess, for a favorite moment of the season. If you have anything you want to offer or want to say, like scene sequence that happened oh, that Lynn stood with taking you. taking down those airships. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, the one that obviously we talked about at the explosion at the end with uh, the villains killing themselves. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> uh, I feel like fun. it has more like favorite moments later on. Yeah. <clears throat> also, just one more thing. Cora did not master the elements when she was four years old. That's one complaint I keep hearing from people, and it's oh my fucking god. stupid. Oh, oh my, my god. god. It took her 13 years to master three, people. Yeah, it, it's funny how they try to say, like, in, they try to compare Being her to Aang to and be like, it? Mary Sue. But it's like, Aang literally learned three elements in a summer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and she and also like being able to do it 
is not the same as mastering the elements. Yeah, obviously. Like Aang was able to do all of that too. He just he could he create didn't know how to... fire. Yeah, but he just yeah. wasn't good at you know. Jeez, yeah. people are so dumb. I mean, let's be real. If I... he wasn't in his avatar state in the in the finale, um, he wouldn't have been. I mean, he was losing. He his ass was losing at the end of uh, you know during the finale of the last airbender right but the thing uh so i don't like if that if it wasn't for that crux i don't think he would have particularly won out of all that let's be real though i feel like a lot of that also is kind of rooted in the fact that how dare we have a girl be better than the guy at the same thing uh (laughs) how dare they do that yeah uh (laughs) Also, like one more thing. Um, I know people were confused as to like why she couldn't airbend, and then how could she airbend later on when they took away her power, and um, <clears throat> a lot of things. And like I really like noticed it, paying attention to the first season. What's up? Fuck. <sighs> God. Can he not hear us? Or? At least it happened while... Um... We're wrapping up. No, what he has to do is he needs to export his audio because um, sometimes this happens where inexplicably the microphone stops recording, it just turns off, and then he can't continue recording until he has to export from Audacity. So um, we're we're wrapping up here anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Peter, if you, if you want, you can just export and you can just like halo out uh, if you'd like. We don't really... I think we have your your final comments, unless you want to come back. <laughs> right. I'll mention that you had to you had to go and something. All right. You can label this one sixty. No, sorry, two sixty four, and then your name next Good to it. God. <laughs> two sixty four. God. <laughs> Blow my brains out. A lot of episodes. <laughs> I know. Five years ago, or six years ago, maybe I don't know anymore. Are we gonna end it? Uh, right. As soon as Peter, uh, we can, can. Well, I guess we can continue on right now, and Peter can just hang up whenever he wants. Yes, please, I, need Le- to send yeah. I am sorry. I'm sorry. Let me just make sure I need to write these for the editing. Okay. Uh, who was talking before? I was. Uh, Go ahead. It'll be quick. Um, I just wanted to say, like, some people were confused as to why she couldn't airbend and, like, how could she, how she could do it um, when she lost her bending. Um, the reason why she couldn't airbend is because, uh, again, she's a very opposite character from Aang. Uh, Aang is very peaceful. And, I mean, I guess you can say part of it was because he uh, that was his first element. Um, <laughs> just Let's just ignore <laughs> Continue, yeah. continue. It's good. Um, it's good content. Uh, so part of the reason why she couldn't airbend was because you know air is the element of freedom. She was locked up for most of her life just training, training, training. So it was very difficult for her to kind of be in that mindset of freedom to airbend, basically. And then when she went to Republic City, uh, she uh, she was basically locked up in a in small island, like right next to the like place she wanted to be. Like she just kept getting locked up. And I think part of the reason why she could airbend after she lost it is because she was finally 
um, free from like using the other elements basically like she wasn't constrained to the other elements but also she finally got to do what she wanted to do which is be the hero throughout the entire first season she was just stopping bad guys she wanted to be the hero like ang but all she was doing was stopping bad guys one after another it wasn't until that she saw uh mako in trouble like basically about to lose his bending that she did the hero thing which is save someone not stop a bad guy and so that's just what i wanted to say <laughs> All right, uh, we want to thank everyone who tuned in and listened to this first installment of the Chorus series. We have three more episodes to go, three more seasons uh, to cover. Thank you to Alexis and David and Peter and Kyle. We have more content here under our big red spotlight every single Sunday, sometimes Thursdays. Fantasy Fair, Friday, keep it up. Uh, more reviews, Mulan Month is coming. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.